Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. great to see our kids and our students leading out in this initiative. So grateful for them. Uh, Welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you've decided to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. I want to welcome all of those joining us online and all of those out in Prescott Valley today. Uh, So grateful to have you with us. Today is a big day in the life of our Church. It is Commitment Sunday. It is a day that we have spent months talking about in different circles uh, and spent the last six weeks leading up to this moment today. And the fact that most of you in the room knew that and you came anyway speaks to how amazing this church is. So grateful for you guys today. If you're a newcomer with us today and you walked in, you see a commitment card sitting on the chair beside you and you're like, what did I get myself into today? You can relax. This is not uh, meant for you. This is for all of those who call Quad City their church home. My hope, if you're a newcomer with us, is that you will actually walk out of here encouraged and inspired by what you see from those around you this morning. Um, As we've said from the beginning of this Excel series, that our primary goal is that there's 100% engagement, that we want everybody who calls Quad City their home to take a step to grow in the grace of giving. And today, this is us putting that engagement into action. And so again, we are so glad that you are here today. How many of you all have ever heard of the term gamophobia? Anybody? Got one. One person. Well, for those of you who don't know, gamophobia is the fear of commitment. How many of y'all are sitting beside someone that has a little gamophobia? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's the medical term for the fear of commitment, specifically the commitment to a relationship or to marriage Uh, But there are some people who genuinely struggle with making a commitment to someone or to something. And it does go beyond just relationships. There are people who struggle to commit to a job or to a house or to a college or to the paint color of a house, right? There's all kinds of fear of commitment. And 
the Cleveland Clinic says there are actual physical symptoms that come with gamophobia. Here are a few of them. Chills, dizziness, lightheadedness, excessive sweating. Anybody feeling that today? Uh, heart palpitations, nausea, shortness of breath, trembling or shaking, an upset stomach or indigestion. And I'll be honest, as I read through this list, I thought these are a lot of the same physical symptoms I see whenever I talk about money in church. Like, like they are the same. It's the same. Like, because commitment can be hard. Like, it can be scary. Here's what I know, though. Our lives are shaped by the commitments that we make. My life has been shaped by the commitments that I've made. Going all the way back to eight years old, dedicating my life, committing myself to being a follower of Jesus. I made that commitment and it has impacted every area of my life. There's now no spot in my life that's off limits from that commitment. And I hope that you can say the same. Then there was the commitment that I made to attend Bible college and to pursue ministry full time. It was a commitment that I made as an 18 year old kid. And it's from that commitment that I'm still standing here preaching today. There's my commitment to marry my wife, Kelly. That commitment has shaped me as every couple has. We've had ups and downs throughout the years. And chances are, if we had not declared that commitment out loud before God to each other in front of our community, there's a chance that we would not be in the same place that we are today. Commitment matters. Then Kelly and I committed to adopting our two sons, to raise boys who did not share our DNA as if they came from us. And to be honest, I was a little scared at the beginning to make such a big commitment. I struggled with, but in the end, I signed on the dotted line and I was, and I'm so grateful that I did. There was the commitment that I made, our family made 15 years ago to move to Prescott, Arizona, to serve a church full of people who are dealing with real hurt. It was a a commitment I made 15 years ago that's impacted me, it's shaped me, it's impacted my family. And if what many of you have told me is true, that decision, that commitment that we made has made an impact on your life. We're shaped by the commitments that we make. But not only are we shaped by those commitments, the commitments that we make also have the ability to transform and shape other people in ways that we may never know. And I am convinced that the commitments that we are making here today to grow in the grace of giving, it will be no different. It will impact and shape lives of people that we will never meet. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or turn them to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That's where we're going to begin today. Over the last six weeks, we've been working our way through chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians because I believe it is the most theologically rich teaching on generosity anywhere in Scripture. And the Apostle Paul's writing to this church in Corinth, not just to try to get them to half-heartedly give some money to something, but in order to see generosity in their life, 
as a reflection of what it means to become a follower of Jesus. It's a discipleship issue, not just a money issue, that we are all called to keep growing in the grace of of giving. None of us have arrived, which comes back to our theme verse for this whole series that Paul writes in verse 7, but since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love that we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Like this is a command, excel in the grace of giving. We are to take another step, to outdo, to surpass, to excel. This is what God's called all of us. Now, the question is, how do we do that? Where does that start? How do we begin this process? And the answer is simple. You make a commitment. You commit to grow in the grace of giving. That's where it starts. It starts with you and I committing to excel. Now, we started working through this series, like I said, six weeks ago, and I began by preaching the first seven verses of chapter eight. Now, one studious observer realized that in teaching that, I skipped verse six. And that's not something we typically do around here. We teach a text. We teach all of them. And so uh, he came up to me at Pastor's Point and said, hey, why'd you skip verse six? Why, would, why wouldn't you teach us that piece too? Why are you leaving that one out? As if he had got me in an aha moment. And I said, because verse six doesn't apply to us yet. But we'll come back to it. And today's the day. So we're going to pick up where we left off. Let me set the uh, context. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's invited them to generously give their resources to bless brothers and sisters in Jerusalem who were struggling. Now, it's important to remember this is 2 Corinthians. There was another letter we call 1 Corinthians. This is not the first time here in 2 Corinthians, it's not the first time that Paul has talked about this generosity initiative. When he wrote 1 Corinthians a year before, he had already shared the vision for what he was asking them to do. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So these are Paul's instructions a year before. Hey, Sunday mornings, you ought to take up a collection. Each of you should give in accordance with your income. Like that was his instructions to the people a year before we get to 2 Corinthians. So what we find in 2 Corinthians is the follow-up to this conversation. And here's what he said in verse six. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So he begins by saying, before any money was taken, before these people had had anything given to Paul to take on to Jerusalem, before any of the money had been handed over, their generosity began with a commitment. A year before, every Sunday, bring their offering, 
Then one of Paul's companions shows up. Titus shared this vision, gave the instructions, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. And that's how this thing began. And now here in 2 Corinthians, Paul is inviting them to bring to completion what had begun a year before. It began with a commitment where people of Corinth had clearly declared their intentions to Paul, and now Paul's encouraging them to follow through with that commitment. He continues. In chapter 9, he essentially says the same thing. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord. I've already shared that part. Now, for for I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Acacia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Here's the question. How did Paul know that they were eager to help? That they, why did Paul have the ability to boast about it to the Macedonians? How could he tell them that these people in Corinth were ready to give? Well, the answer is simple, because they had communicated their commitment to Paul. It all started with this commitment that they had made. And today, we get to do the same. We aren't here today to ask you to write the big check or to bring your bags of cash. We aren't asking you to make a withdrawal or to pony up. What we're asking you to do, what we're asking everybody who calls Quad City their home, including those of you who are online today, is is to fill out a card that says, I'm in. To communicate your commitment, saying, you can count on me. I get the vision God's called us to. I understand the role God has asked me to play. I understand the generosity of Jesus and those who came before me and the impact it's made in my life. And I'm excited and joyful and eager to be a part of helping others experience the same grace that I've experienced. It starts with a commitment. Now, before I ask you to commit, I want to share with you three commitments that I'm making to you. Before I ever ask you to commit, I'm going to make three commitments to you. Here's the first one. My first commitment is that I am in this with you. That I'm not asking you to do anything that I am not doing myself. Over the last several months, my wife and I have known this day was coming, and we began to have conversations around what our commitment to Excel would look like. And I'll be honest and say that those conversations were not always easy. They weren't fun. There were some tense moments in the process as God stretched us to consider what generosity looks like in this stage of our life. And I can tell you that the number that we are writing on our card reflects a level of generosity that we've never experienced in our life. It is sacrificial for us. Now, I know that because of some TV huckster preachers, that there are some who have this idea that somehow when a church has a generosity initiative like this, that somehow the pastor is going to get richer and benefit from it. And I'm just here to tell you today that's not true. I don't work on commission. I don't get a cut of this, okay? 
Quite the opposite. My net worth is going to go down because of this, not up, as it should. As it should, because that's what sacrificial giving looks like. And I'm grateful for the opportunity because I actually believe what I'm preaching to you today, that there is no greater investment in the world than into the kingdom through a local church. So that's my first commitment to you is I'm in this with you. Here's my second commitment. I, and I put we here because I'm speaking on behalf of all of our elders, I intend to do, we intend to do what's right in God's eyes and yours. This actually reflects the commitment that Paul made to the Corinthians in our text. In chapter 8, verse 20, he says, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. You guys are giving us a bunch of money. and We want to avoid criticism in the way that we use it. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, although that's really important and of first importance, but also in the eyes of men. Like the commitment that our leadership is making is to do what's right with what all of you invest into this church. Because we know we're going to have to stand before the Lord But we also recognize that we're going to stand before you. And we take that seriously. We want to use these gifts in a way that honors God and honors you. We commit to being transparent and forthright as we can be. And as far as it depends upon us, we want to avoid any criticism and we'll take pains to do what is right with what's been entrusted to us. So that's my second commitment. And here's my third commitment. We won't neglect our mission. Like we have been called to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. And as long as I'm the pastor here, we will do everything we can to make that happen. We will never rest on our laurels. Like we will never get to the place where we say that's enough. Well, we're good. We've reached enough people. We've, we've, We've arrived as disciples. We've done enough at this point. We just won't do that. As a church, we aren't going to neglect our mission. Now, the methods may change, but the mission never will. This question has kept bubbling up over the last several months. Like, why are we doing this? Isn't the church big enough? Isn't what we're doing already enough? Why do we feel the need to just keep growing? And here's why. Because as a church, if you're not growing, you're dying. If we aren't taking ground for the kingdom, then we are losing ground. We had an elders retreat this past week, and one of our elders said that out loud with tears in his eyes that a church that's not growing is dying. And he, he shared that sentiment from his own experience. And he shared with us this story of the church that he grew up in. He remembered as a kid going to the land and helping clear off the trees so the church could be built. It was a thriving, growing church that had a vibrant bus ministry in the 70s and 80s, as many churches did at the time. The room was full. People were being saved. It was the place he came to faith and was baptized. But over time, the church lost its focus and forgot the mission and began to focus inwardly on the comfort of those who were there instead of being willing to sacrifice for those who weren't. And this church slowly began to die. 
And today, if you go to that ground that he cleared the trees and helped build the building, instead of a thriving place of worship to Jesus, that church got closed down and sold off and is now a place of worship of Mohammed. The church is now the Yorba Linda Islamic Center. In his lifetime, he watched this church be born and thrive and die because people began to care more about their own comfort than the mission of Jesus. And he shared this story again with tears in his eyes. And what happens in these instances is people begin to to argue about whether we should have pews in the auditorium or chairs in the auditorium. And should we be singing these songs or singing those songs and doing this ministry instead of that ministry? And the good news is today, nobody's arguing about that anymore. Because the pews got replaced with prayer rugs. And the songs to Jesus are now chants to Allah. And the ministry that once was housed in this place has now ceased. The cross was replaced with a crescent. And that's what happens when churches lose sight of the mission. And his story isn't unique. Many of you know churches that were once thriving that are now dead or dying because there was a season where they lost sight of the mission. And I unapologetically commit that we are going to keep our mission first and do everything we can to keep reaching people for Jesus. So these are my commitments to you. Now I'm going to ask you to make a commitment of your own. A commitment that reflects a heart that is eager to excel in the grace of giving, that is honored to sacrifice for the sake of others, that demonstrates a gratitude of a Savior who gave it all for us. But before I ask you to make that commitment, I want you to know that when you do it, you won't be making it alone. About 10 days ago, we invited anybody in our church who is ready to take a step and lead out in in generosity to come join us at the Finley Toyota Center for our advanced commitment night. And we had about 500 people show up and, and say, count me in, I'm in. And I want those of you who weren't able to be with us just to get a taste of what God began to do on that night. A hundred years ago, people whose names are long forgotten now had the courage to build a church as an expression for their own gratitude for what Jesus did for them. And now it's our turn. In a hundred years, no one in, in Prescott or Prescott Valley will really remember any of us. But in a hundred years, because of the opportunity that we share tonight, people will know Jesus because of the courage that we take, because of the trust that we place, and because of the gratitude that we express for what Jesus has done on our behalf. My wife and I are so excited to be in this place at such a time as this, to be able to have even a small part in expanding the kingdom of God in this Quad City area. Not just for our neighbors today, but also for those who will be moving here tomorrow 
and also for future generations yet unborn. And to me and my family, the XL commitment means having faith that God will provide for our family and the church family. It means stepping out of our comfort zone and into a more sacrificial giving. It means becoming a better disciple, and it means being a good steward of the blessings that God has entrusted to us. For us, Excel is an opportunity to accelerate the mission of being a disciple of Christ and making disciples of Christ. And this church is on a mission to sow into this community and make more and better disciples of Christ. My family has made generations of investments into this community, and there is no better investment that can be made than a personal relationship in Christ. And as we all gather here tonight in the town of Prescott Valley, ready to embark on the most costly step of kingdom advancement that we have ever taken as a church in a hundred years. As long as we are faithful in following Jesus, here's a promise that we can cling to that came from the mouth of Jesus himself. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are here making our commitments together because leaders have to lead. You are the leaders in our church. That's why you're here. Like we ask, who wants to join us in raising their hand and going first in generosity? And you are the ones that raised your hand and showed up. You are the leaders. I'm so excited to be part of the whole Excel. My whole family um, have been changed through this whole experience of joining Quad City. Just to see lives changed um, in front of me, to have my life changed, it's just incredible. I'm really excited about it. Our family is really excited about it. Helping people has always been a passion of mine. And so being able to give and spread the word of Jesus, it makes me really happy and I know it makes others happy too. My husband Adam and I have really stepped out through this whole Excel thing. This is the first time in our life we have upped our giving by five times the amount that we would normally do. We are stepping out, we live here in Prescott Valley and we are so excited to build this new campus. What excites me about Excel is that it's an opportunity for all of us to come together and for all of us to be able to make an impact on so many people's lives. When we sacrifice our wants right now, then we will be able to completely spread the love of God through every single soul in all of Prescott and Prescott Valley. Yeah, Jesus gave it all for us and we want to give it back to him. We owe it all to him as well. What Excel means to us is just an over overwhelming sense of gratitude and thankfulness that we are so privileged to continue this mission with God. And we always remember somebody paid for a seat for us in a church and we want to do the same. We're extremely grateful for what was done to prepare the way for us to come. Excel to us is very exciting and it's a way for us to help advance the kingdom and provide for future generations. I have to read it or I'll cry, so I'm just gonna read the words. At one point, our family was in crisis uh, and the elders at the time gave generously out of their own pockets um, in a manner that I firmly believe saved my life. Um, so Excel to me is the opportunity to pay that forward as many times as possible. I'm very thankful for the people that gave in 1922 because I was baptized in Willow Street Church of Christ in 1971 as just a young man and giving to Excel means that there's going to be some young man a few years from now that's gonna need Jesus. And that's why we give to Excel. The commitment that we have made tonight, again, it has the potential to not only change us, but to change 
thousands of people, which is why we ask you to pick up one of these little tea lights. Everything it needs to light up is right there. All it needs is somebody to flip the switch. There is somebody that you know who's still living in the darkness. And the reason we're choosing to excel is we want to provide a place and a people that leverage their lives and their dollars and their resources and their time to help be a part of seeing God flip the switch for people. Like we don't have the capacity to do that, but the Spirit of God does. Tonight, we've been given the opportunity to do something that will lead to eternal destinies being changed. This matters for the thousands of people that we may never know who will be impacted by the ministry of Quad City. What we're doing tonight, it matters for our own soul as we grow in our trust of Jesus. It was such an encouraging night. And so for those of you who were there, thanks for coming to be a part of that. And again, what we're doing today matters just as much. And so we're going to invite you in just a few moments to, to bring those commitments forward. And for those of you who are at Advanced Commitment Night, we invite you to join in. We want to do this all together. So you can just fill out your card again. For some of you, it'll be the same number. Somebody in the first service told me they were doing a different number, that God had moved in them even since last week. So I encourage you to be a part of that as well this morning. As we bring forward our commitments, I'm going to invite you, no matter what your intentions are right now, would you just grab one of these cards, one beside you there, or maybe you already brought yours with you. Just go ahead and grab that right now. And I just want to walk through it real quick. just to make sure that we all know all know what we're doing here. As you look at your card, the top box there, I just want to walk through this. The top box simply says what I would normally give in a year. So many of you, you've got a habit that you've been giving to the church or through the church for a really long time. Uh, that's where we invite you to put that number down. Here's what I know. For some of you, that number may be zero because you've never given regularly to a local body And I'm so encouraged by that. At our advanced commitment night, we had over 30 people who gave for the first time to the local church. So, so encouraging. And that'll be some of your story. And I'm so grateful that you're choosing to be a part of this journey with us. The second box is say, what does our expanded annual giving look like? Like, where is it that God's calling you to take a step? What does excelling in the grace of giving look like for you? That's what you'd put in that second box. And then just simply add those two together, and that would be what you would give over a one-year span. This is a two-year commitment, and so we're asking you to go ahead and double that so that you give that over the next two years, which will bring us to the the final box there that says gifts from from my or our stored resources. As we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, much of what God gives to us is not always meant for us. We are to be the conduits not just containers. So where is it that God maybe has given you something in the past that he wants you to leverage right now? Maybe it's a a car, maybe it's an RV, maybe it's a cash savings, maybe it's an old IRA, maybe, maybe it's a retirement account. It could be anything that God has given you in the past and he's saying, hey, now's the time for you to put that for use in the kingdom. 
We actually heard a story this past week of somebody in Prescott Valley who said, you know what? The house I have is too big for me. I don't need it. So I'm going to put my house on the market and sell the house that I'm living in, use that money to go pay cash for another house, and then be able to write a significant check to the church. Like that's somebody with a kingdom mindset. And that's what we're asking all of us to consider. What would that look like for us? And then whatever that total is, there in the orange, we invite you to write, this is my two-year Excel commitment. So whatever it is, adding all of those up over the next two years, this is what I am committing to. So we invite you to put that in the orange box. And then we ask you to fill out the bottom portion. Put your name on it. Now this is a Touchy subject for some. It's like, I don't want, I want to be anonymous. Here's the thing. Anonymous commitments aren't really commitments. There's never been a commitment that you made in your life of substance that involves anybody else that you do anonymously. Like we always have to sign our name to our commitments. You did it with your marriage certificate. You did it with your savings account. We do it with everything. We, our commitments aren't anonymous when they involve other people. This is us putting a stake in the ground and saying, I'm putting my name to this. I'm trusting that God's going to do this through me. So we need you to put your name. First off, because you need to do it. We all need to do it. We all need to put our name so that when the energy and emotion of this moment fades away in nine months, we can tell our own soul, I I knew in that moment this was what God was calling me to, and it was important and I'm going to fulfill it. We need to write our name for our own sake. But we also need you to do it for our church, for the leadership of our church, so that they can make wise decisions moving forward as we begin to make decisions that are going to impact the building of the campus out in Prescott Valley. So we need to do it for that reason as well. So we want to invite you to take a few moments. We're going to give some space right now for you just to think to pray and to write and to ask God, God, what is this you're asking of me in this moment? And as you're doing that, I want you to, I got three questions that I want you to consider as you're filling these out. First off is, does this commitment that I'm making today, does it reflect a heart that has been joyfully transformed by the gospel? Because God wants to do something in us before he does something through us. Does the commitment you're making show, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done for me. Is that reflected in this commitment? The second question is, does this commitment demonstrate the priority that the kingdom of God is going to be in my life over the next two years? Does it show in in this amount? And then lastly, the third question I want you to wrestle with, does this commitment indicate that I am ready to grow in the grace of giving, that I'm going to take my generosity to a level I've never taken it before? So I want you just to pray through that, wrestle with that, talk with your family, talk with with God. Just wrestle with it for just a few moments. I'm going to invite you just to stay seated, and I'll come back out in just a few moments and share some further instructions. As you walked into the auditorium on either of our campuses, you may have noticed on the walls, there were a couple of timelines. Over to my right and to your left, there's a timeline that is reflection of the last 40 years. And a couple of weeks ago on our vision night, we invited people 
to take one of these stickers and to write on it a significant spiritual moment that they've experienced through Quad City Christian Church over the last 40 years, and they got to tell their story. On the other side, there's a timeline that's pointing to the next 40 years, and we invited people to come and to grab a sticker and say, hey, what do you hope and pray that God's going to do through the ministry of Quad City in the next 40 years? And I want you to recognize today that you and I are quite literally standing in between, in between what God has done over the last 40 years and what we desire him to do over the next 40 years. We are the generation, we are the people in this season at this time who are going to be the linchpin, the bridge that connects the last 40 years to the next 40 years. And what we are committing to on this card is a, goes a long way to helping us to bridge the gap from what has been to what will be. And I hope that with everything in you, you can joyfully, longingly, excitedly say, I am in to see God do something great in the next 40 years, even though most of us won't be here to see it. Because our God is worth everything that we have to sacrifice for his kingdom. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful for today. I pray that you would well up in us a joy and an excitement to be a part of what you're doing. And may our commitments today mark that excitement and joy and generosity and sacrifice out of our gratitude for our Savior Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.